College cancel culture continues, UFC goes big in Vegas, and Major League Baseball gets one right. It's time to sideline the agenda. And welcome to Sideline the Agenda, sports podcasting done right. My name is Scott, with me is Kevin and Chris. Record suspension in Major League Baseball in UFC's historic bout. We've got fair and foul coming up, but first, in today's pervasive political climate, politics are no longer held to the realm of Fox News, CNN, and the like. Political talking points and agendas have become all-encompassing in every aspect of American life. Universities, Hollywood, and big tech social media platforms blackball, fire, and outright cancel you if you dare not go along with their beliefs and objectives. Professional and even collegiate sports have become another battlefield where political ideologies are waging war. We have seen controversies in the NBA over China and the recent promotion of divisive political groups such as Black Lives Matters in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. Now, add in the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, and we see the same line in the sand drawn. One side is using the pandemic to merge their cancel culture with the shutdowns we've seen, canceling the Olympics, fall sports, traditional events like the Rose Parade seven months in advance. The other side wants to open up. It wants its kids to play ball. It wants its people to go to work, citing the incredibly low death rate of COVID-19 and enforcing the freedom of choice each American inherently beholds. NCAA football is the latest battleground. President Trump demonstrated his support, tweeting, play college football. Afterwards, almost on cue, the Pac-12 and Big Ten officially canceled their fall sports. No one is claiming this is a simple issue. But too often, it seems the deciding factor comes down to which side of the political aisle you're on. Which team do you play for? Allowing political parties, special interests, and their agendas to dictate an industry's course of action is not the way to progress, but it's the way to division. Can we return to a time when entertainment like sports can be consumed without making political choices or becoming subject to political rhetoric? The only way is to first point out the fact that the rhetoric is present. We must highlight the agenda so that we can sideline it. That is our goal. We hope you will join us as we sideline the agenda. Okay. The Pac-12 conference voted Tuesday to postpone its college season and all other sports through at least the end of the calendar year, joining Big Ted Conference in pausing play due to the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm going to toss it to you guys. What will be the consequences for those colleges and the student athletes who will now suffer the ramifications of their college's president's ideology. Yeah, I mean, it's it's looking like uh, we're going to have kind of half the country, uh, as far as the collegiate uh, football players are concerned, sitting back, sitting at home, uh, sitting at school, while the other half is out there having fun and playing. <laughs> it's almost like... Uh, it seemed like the blue state colleges are the ones that shut down. And then we've got some of the red state colleges saying, hey, no, we want to play. So, I mean, it, it, again, to your point, it's it's like which political side do you fall on as to if you're going to be playing or not? Um, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of talk that these these teams are going to come back and, and launch in the spring. But I mean, what is that going to look like? Are people even going to care? Um I know that there's a lot of coaches in some of those uh, conferences, like the Big Ten, for example. Uh, the Michigan uh, coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh, was very displeased with the decision. He really wanted to continue to play. He said that they followed these CDC guidelines step by step, that their their testing was 
doing really well, and he didn't see any reason why they shouldn't be out there playing. Uh, Ohio State uh, coach said something similar to he didn't go as far as Harbaugh, but saying that, that he really wanted to get out there, he really wanted to play. So there's going to be some some angry teams, some angry schools. We see Nebraska is uh, almost about to jump ship and maybe try and join the Big 12 or uh, see if they can get some games played because we all know that Nebraska fans, I mean, just like Ohio State and most of those uh, mid-country schools are really, really into their college teams, especially if you don't have any pro sports in that area. Uh, also, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, is their own entity and they kind of play where they want to and looks like they're going to start fielding some uh, some games with some other conferences so that they can be out there playing. So it's, it's interesting to see some of the schools, what decisions they're going to make uh, as far as the ones that kind of want to go against what their uh, their conference is saying and saying, no, we don't really want to go along with, with the shutdown. We, we want to go out there and we want to play. We want to play uh, the fall. We don't want to wait till the spring or late January. Um, and then you've got other conferences, you know, the, the MAC, uh, the shut down pretty early they, they decided to, to stop i think they were one of the first ones uh the pac-12 followed suit um i i i, I was reading some of the numbers that it, it's it's like a little more than half of all the college teams out there almost 60 percent are still going to be playing and is is that pretty much what the turnout for the election is going to be <laughs> <laughs> because it's looking like it's like what what exactly what you were saying in the the opening statement what which team do you play for which side are you on is is kind of ultimately dictating a lot of these decisions it seems like um so yeah we'll have half the country uh looking like they're going to be enjoying some college sports and the other half is going to be you know waiting till wait until the spring or waiting for the okay the the all is clear yeah, what, do you, what do you make of that kevin i mean <laughs> that's the funny thing is that you would think that they would all come together and make one decision and um unfortunately you would think that if shutting down was the the answer uh that you would have a unanimous decision on that clearly it's not unanimous clearly there's a lot of conferences that want to play ball why the disconnect yeah, sadly, the NCAA is is finding themselves in a, a massive crisis where it's just too hard to get all the conferences, all the schools, all the coaches, all the players, all the staff, everybody involved with putting these football games on into a massive bubble to where they can play when a crisis um, averted, basically. So where everyone is tested on the norm, it, it seems like uh, too big of a task. It seems like it's be pretty dang impossible if not uh, very 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 hard very difficult to do that uh, but just like what Chris was saying um, you have 59% almost 60% of schools that are still open but I find myself in a couple questions myself just thinking about this whole thing is what do you, what happens with players eligibility right what happens um, can they transfer can they transfer a different school if they're in the Pac-12 or you know or Mac can they transfer to different school and play play as well? I mean, is there um, restrictions on that? Uh, this is something that I'm asking for because if half the schools are closed down and there's going to be no fall, uh, fall football at all, well, what are these guys going to do? Are they going to stick around? Are they going to be able to play next year? That seems like a huge miscommunication, um, a huge barrier to where now we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I do want to point out that I think that if, you know, the Big 12, if they come out and they say, hey, you know, we're going to cancel, that's going to affect 
massively the ACC along with the SEC conference as well. So if they come out and they say, hey, we're canceling it in, I, I think it's going to be very impossible for those other two um, big time conferences to continue on. You think they'll have like a domino effect then? Like oh, that, that'll be the, the, the dagger, so to speak. Absolutely. Without a doubt, because they play they're They're in a play. Uh, they play each other. Um, it, it would be one after the other. That's interesting. And, and also the player eligibility aspect. I mean, I, I don't really know the the the, the detailed rules of NCAA from re, regarding a, a player athlete. But, you know, if I was playing, say, in the Pac-12 and, you know, the SEC's you know, still doing their thing, ACC. I, you know, if I could find a way to to transfer to one of those schools, I, I think I'm thinking that I want to do that because any exposure that I can get, uh, not to the coronavirus, but to to play in eyes of scouts and whatnot, um, you know, is is a good decision. I mean, Chris, what do you do? You know anything about that? What do you think about the that that? Will we see a trend of of players leaving uh, these conferences that have shut down, going to um, the conferences that are now open or still open? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really an expert on the NCAA rules regarding the the transferring. I would imagine if if the option is there for them, that there would be a lot of players that would want to take that. But to Kevin's point, with the Big Twelve shutting down, um, I think that what what we're seeing with Nebraska, what we're seeing with Notre Dame, uh, we might see kind of a rebellion within that conference to where even if they shut down, and that I think the big one is the SEC. If they stay open and they play. You're going to see a lot of those schools in the Big Ten and the Big 12, if the Big 12 does happen to shut down, say, hey, you guys shut down, but we still yeah. want to go. And they might be able to figure out some games if there's enough schools out there that are willing to jump ship from the current conference that they were in. I mean, it depends on what those conference rules are. But as, as, as far as I know, with the, the colleges having the rights uh, in, in the football program to th- those football teams and, and what they can do with them, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a huge barrier stopping them from going joining other conferences. So are we going to have two national champions this year? <laughs> are we going to have the the 2020 national champion, fall champion? And then we're going to, in the spring, have uh, all the, the Pac-12 and and uh, the Big Ten. And they're going to have their playoff and they're going to have their national champion. Like It's it's totally a, a shaping out to be a really weird situation. But, yeah, I mean, with, with the shutdowns, we've seen lots of industries figure out other ways to still be able to – because. These colleges need the money. They're losing a lot of money not being able to play football games, especially schools like Nebraska where they they pack 100,000 people in a stadium. Um, So they're going to try and find a way to get that revenue. And if their conference shut down and and another conference is willing to to schedule some games with them because some of those other uh, lesser-known schools maybe aren't open uh, and they need to fill out a, a, a full schedule, I mean, there's, there's no telling to what can happen, but it, it is getting late in the game. They got to figure a lot out soon. So, I mean, here's to hope that the Big 12, ACC, SEC will will, will stay firm and, and not go down. But, I mean, the world is crazy right now. You never know. It's like the update by the minute, by the second, it, it could change anytime. Yeah, and – uh, I was just going to say real quick, I mean, all the all the money that's on the table, you know, like you're saying, it not only affects the colleges, but it affects the surrounding communities, too. I mean, that's just revenue that always comes in. Go ahead, Kevin. 
Absolutely. I just wanted to point out as well, you know, the, the Pac-12 commissioner just dangling that, that little slice of hope for the Pac-12 that, you know, maybe they will play in the spring. Maybe we'll push this over and, you know, it's just, it's just going to be a fall thing, guys, and we're going to carry this over to the spring. When he came out, he, he um, had, had spoken about that. And so everyone's kind of hanging on like, hey, maybe we'll figure this out by spring. And so the rest of the conferences, I don't know if they're going to follow suit or if they're just going to kind of fight this thing and say, no, we want to, you know, we want to play football now. Now, um, I think that's a huge important thing that the, the commissioners of each conference kind of get on one side. And I think that that needs to take place first. And we, I think that as a fan, as a college fan, I think we all expected that to happen initially, but it didn't. Um, regarding the, the transfer thing as well, it just brings up questions as, as Chris was talking. I was like, well, what about Justin Fields? You know, because he, he, he transferred to Ohio State. Um, so that would be additional transfer if they close down. And I don't know. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But I think there's a restriction on, all, you know, so many transfers and within a certain amount of time. So I, it's just something I've been all the complications is arising, arising. Obviously, this is uncharted waters. You know, the NCAA, as well as everyone else, hasn't really been here before. So they're kind of just taking things how it comes. Yeah, and I, I remember reading that Nick Saban was saying that uh, he feels that the students, the college athletes will be safer uh, on campus. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. You know, I mean, we've seen uh, a lot of talk in regards to bubble and whatnot. And, and, and to an extent, a, a campus, college campus, though, uh, they don't really do a good job of, of social distancing amongst themselves. You know, they they are not necessarily interacting with their their home, uh, their relatives, their, you know, the, the, um, the folks that may be at higher risk. I mean, I know that there's uh, staff and faculty on campus that's a concern. You know, I think that the answer should be that those people, you know, online in and uh, the students can actually still come to to college and whatnot and and go through their classes. But that said, I mean, do you think that the SEC has more of a plan and the ACC has more of a plan? Because these have been the, the two conferences for sure that have really kind of publicly come out and said that they're still intending on playing. And and they're saying that they're medical staff is is recognizing that this isn't as much of a risk as say other conferences are projecting it to be um so what do you make of that chris is this a is this just another example of the political division and uh the uh the 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 narrative that's out there regarding the the politicized narrative that that, that's out there regarding COVID 19. no absolutely and anyone that has done any kind of research on on this disease and, and who it's really affecting, it's affecting the elderly the most, the people with pre-existing conditions. Young people are damn near bulletproof against this thing. Um, but to the agenda side, it's, it's interesting to see kind of what um, outlets, kind of how they steer their, their articles. ESPN, for example, predominantly a leftist outlet. It's Disney, so most everyone knows this. Pretty much most all their articles talking about NCAA and and the postponement thereof, they're really pushing the spring agenda. They're wanting to stop this thing. They're wanting to postpone things back to the spring. They're really pushing that aspect. Whereas the SEC, they're the ones that make the most money. They're the most popular conference, ACC as well, because uh, they've had, I believe, Clemson, if I'm not mistaken, is in the ACC, who's been a major Mm -hmm. powerhouse these last several years. Yeah. and also mostly right-leaning states for the most part. 
So they're all about, hey, let's open up, let's play, let's not be afraid of something that is not really affecting young people too much, if at all. Uh, these guys are all in great shape. They're in the prime of their lives. So why should we postpone this 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 great tradition of football that's been going on, you know, over 100 years, over maybe 150 years? Um, all that tradition, all those big rivalries, and not to mention all that big money that they make. They don't want to shut that down. And uh, given what we know about the virus, I, I can't blame them. Uh, I, I tend to, to see the side that's saying, hey, let's not live in fear. Let's go out there and let's play. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely the agenda part of it. One wants to push it out to spring, one wants to go out there and play ball. Well, hopefully that all gets figured out. But until then, we'd like to invite you to join the agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our videos. Hit that notification bell so you can be notified when we go live and when we put up new videos and share and like and comment. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. And of course, we are on Instagram and Parler at Sideline The Agenda. Sideline The Agenda, sports podcast done right. Okay, moving on to the USFC. UFC 252's main event is considered one of the biggest heavyweight title matches in promotions history with heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic defending against former two-division champ Daniel Cormier. Cormier ended Miocic's record run of three straight heavyweight title defenses in their first meeting in 2018, and Miocic regained the title from Cormier last year. It all goes down Saturday in Las Vegas. So guys, uh, how do you see this fight playing out and who wins? Let's start with you, Kevin. This is the fight of the Titans. I'm saying the greatest possibly to ever do this in this division. Now, guys, I have to point out this is a trilogy fight. Not very common anymore. We've seen trilogy fights before, but not recently. So I have to really point out the honorable fighters in this fight. They're not letting money come in between them. They're not holding any grudges or they're not getting suspended, taking peds. They're not letting um, a contract or they didn't have a, a wimpy loss to somebody that they should have beat. They didn't gloss over. So I have to really commend these two giants in the division. Um, and it's going to be a spectacular, spectacular fight that all UFC fans have been waiting for. Now, I do want to point out that Dana White has already came out and said that this fight will hands down decide who the greatest heavyweight UFC fighter in the UFC history really is. Um, you have Stipe who's 37 years old, who is a hero. He, guys, he put out the fire, hung up some work boots just so he can go and be a fighter, just so he can knock some heads. Literally retired from being a firefighter to come be a fighter. That is a hero, guys. Then you, on the other on the side, you have Daniel Cormier, one of the greatest fighters we've seen for a long time. Got his way through wrestling, taking guys down, fighting fighting all sorts of, of opponents and coming out victorious. We've seen him all throughout, just like you said, two different divisions, champ. So this is a champ, current champ, Stipe, who's 37 years old at 19 and three versus the ex-champ, 
DC, 22 and 2, 41 years old, maybe towards the end of his line here, but this fight is going to dictate where he goes. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, he might win or lose. He might throw in the, throw in the towel after this. He might retire. If he, went, if he retires on top with a win, even better. If he retires with a loss, eh, it was time. But either way, guys, DC has a bright future, and he's not leaving the UFC. He has a bright future in commentating, hosting. He could be a coach. Ah, sky's the limit with his future, guys. But this fight alone is going to be sparks flying all throughout. The first fight you had, like you said, DC ending Stipe's um, historic onslaught of defending his title victories. And then Stipe comes back. And then he takes that belt back. And this is something to, be, this is something to say that they both knocked each other out. <laughs> the third time, guys, this is the third fight. So th- who knows what's going to happen? Now, I think that all fight fans know that you, yeah, that excuse me, DC isn't going to stand with Stipe this time. He's not going to stand and throw blows with him in the middle of, the, of a small octagon. Now he's going to use his talents. He's going to use his strengths. He's going to take him down to the ground. He's going to lay on him, put his body weight on him, and get his blows in off the clinch. Those are his strengths, guys. He's going to wrestle him to the mat, tire him out, and then hit, hit, uh, hit, hit, uh, pick his punches off of the clinch. Stipe, on the other hand, has already informed the UFC that they're using a very small octagon, and he wants a bigger octagon for his strengths. He needs room to get away from DC because he knows DC's going to come after him and try to bring him to the mat. He's DC's smaller. He's 5'9". Stipe's 6'3", guys. So... And with a longer reach, so of course he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna jab and, and bounce, jab and bounce, stick to the outside. That's gonna be his strength. So this is gonna be two titans going at it, and I can't wait. And if that doesn't excite you enough, the whole UFC card 252, you got two other huge fights that are going on. The Sugar Show is gonna be back in town, and if you don't know anything about Sean O'Malley, let me tell you now, he has some of the quickest knockouts in UFC history. He is electric to watch, and he will captivate you if you watch him with this fight. He is an upcomer. I believe he's a middleweight. Upcomer, and he's going to he's gonna knock the roof off this place. I guarantee it, because he guaranteed it. And so far, he has not been wrong. But let's 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 not get too sidetracked here. The, the main event enough should be enough for you for that night. It's going to be one hell of a fight, guys. Two, two titans going at Should it. be interesting to see. Chris, what are your thoughts regarding this So Saturday? who you got, yeah, though? Yeah, who, who you got, got Kevin? Kevin? Who you got? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to, I get caught up in the fight in the moment. It's it's That's tough. Um, if it's going to go to the judges, guys, quite frankly, I got DC. He's going to take this one if it goes to the judges. If it doesn't, if the fight gets stopped by any means, by any reasons, I'm taking Sipe on a on a knockout. He's gonna finish the fight fast, so I, I, it's too hard for me to pick one, just one victor. I uh, if I have to, oh man, putting my back against against the wall here. I'm I'm gonna pick Stipe, guys. I think he's gonna do it. I think he's gonna prove everybody um, that he's the champ, and he's gonna defend that belt again against an older DC, and. Um, it may not mean that we be the last seen DC. Uh, it just means that Stipe was better. What do you think there, Chris? 
Yeah, I mean, totally. This is very, very exciting match. Uh, both of their previous bouts were for really, really nice uh, bouts if you're a fight fan. Um, DC kind of caught him off guard in that, that first match when he got that little blindside uh, in the clinch, knocked him out cold. Uh, and DC was actually winning the second bout, uh, if, if you're going by points. He, he was pretty significantly ahead in those first few rounds. But once Stipe figured out that body shot, that body shot was, oh, it was devastating. And uh, we all know what happened after that. Uh, so to your point with the smaller ring, uh, that's really going to play more to DC's strengths. I think that if he is able to make it a mat match and, and take it to the ground, I think he'll be able to take this because he, he he won the first fight, obviously, and I think he was ahead in the second fight until the fourth round when, he, when Stipe figured out those body shots and it just took the life out of him and uh, Stipe seemed to get stronger as the fight went on he can definitely take his punches now I don't think he's going to get caught with anything that's going to surprise him this time so if he is able to keep it standing up uh, uh, to your point again Kevin Stipe is definitely going to take it he's going to use his reach he's going to he's going to use his experience he's going to go back to that body best believe he's going to be digging to that body a bit again so it, it's all going to come to can DC take him down to the mat if he can I think he'll come out victorious if he can't, uh, Stipe is definitely going to prove that he's the the main man. Um, but to the uh, the whole goat conversation, um, I I guess as far as the UFC is concerned, I guess you could say the winner of this would be the goat. I mean, I I think Stipe could definitely take that crown if he wins it. Uh, DC, I mean, he would kind of have a claim, but I, I I don't think he could really truly claim it because he never defended it three times. Uh, and, and also, I mean, it's a different division, but we all know John Jones is the man in that other division. Um, but yeah, I, there's a, there's another guy out there. He was never really in the UFC, um, but uh, Emelinko, uh, Fedor, uh, he was a, a champ for like 10 years straight mm. as a heavyweight. So that that's tough to really surpass that, but it was a different time, different area, and different organization. So as far as the UFC is concerned, then absolutely, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say the winner of this bout is going to be the GOAT. Um, I think if Miocic can pull it out, he's definitely got more right to claim that than DC would. But uh, DC won the first one. He was ahead in the second one. Miocic figured him out with that body shot. So it's it's very interesting. Uh, will the smaller ring play play a role? Is, is Miocic going to get taken down because he can't dance away from him? Is that going to be a big controversy? Both guys kind of seem like they have too much class to really – kind of blame a loss on that kind of stuff. They, they, they both took their previous losses on the chin, figuratively speaking, and literally. Um, so uh, it's it's definitely exciting. It's a good bout. They're all saying that DC is going to step down no matter what, if he wins or loses, but you can never really tell with, with fighters nowadays. I mean, look, we got Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. in their 50s <laughs> about to throw down pretty soon. So, uh, But UFC is a different animal, obviously. Um, but like you said, Kevin, DC's got a really bright future. Lots of uh, lots of revenue coming in, in, in many different uh, routes and, and alleys. So I I I can't blame him for set, stepping aside, win or lose. But it's tough to to go out on a loss, and it's also tough to go out while you're still champ. But I mean, we've seen so many guys in other sports do this, go out on top. So if you are going to go out, that's the best way to do it is on top. So definitely looking forward to this one. This will definitely be about for the ages for sure. Who do you got? Um, 
I, I want to say DC because he won the first one and he was winning. Uh, he was ahead in the second one. But when I think Miocic figured him out with that body shot, I think he figured out that he can take his 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 punches. But the mat game is really the, the big X factor. So if I had to bet, I think DC's not going to try to stand with him too much. I think he's going to try and take it to the mat. He's going to use the smaller ring to his advantage. I think the uh, the USC would probably prefer a DC win, <laughs> um, so I I really want to say Miocic, but I think if I had to bet, I'm going to say DC this time. Yeah, I think you made some good points here. Also, um, we don't as fight fans, we don't we don't know how well DC's chin is anymore. You know, after being viciously knocked out by John it's Jones, true. viciously. And then being knocked out by uh, Stipe, I mean, yeah. we all know, I mean, at the end of your rope, you know, you're not quite the same and you can't be taking those punches anymore. All that, if win or lose, hey, all those add up, you know, towards the end of your career. And we don't know how his chin is anymore. So that's something that all fight fans are expecting to see. And maybe hopefully um, it, it's not going to be a glass jaw out there. And um, also to Fedor's point, yeah, you have a great one. That that is a, a he's a classic of all time. He never fought in the UFC. Uh, Dana White says the best, right. the cream of the crop is in the UFC. The best versus the best. Um, but he was like twenty eight and zero over a span yeah, like of 10, ten years. years. <laughs> Just amazing, <laughs> so, incredible. Yeah, it's funny because I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I don't watch the <laughs> UFC. I didn't know that you you can have dif- you have different sizes of 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 octagon when does that get decided it, it's smaller due to the corona oh um, virus. oh really yeah the the little yeah they've been using smaller mats. what was the purpose for that you know i mean that that's just smaller hmm. venues the there's no audiences um i guess easier to clean oh um, to turn over to, to yeah you do get a lot of blood on those mats <laughs> right right well I, I get that i understand that it's so funny because like they got the guys were making fun of me before the show because i had to ask how to ask the name or say the names i didn't even know uh, how to even pronounce half the name so that's all going down this saturday in vegas it should be exciting to see and uh for those of you who will be checking that out I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to that so let's move on to the major league baseball uh, Oakland Athletics outfielder Ramon. Uh, uh, I can just talk about having trouble saying names. I don't even know why I have trouble saying Loriano, <laughs> but for some reason it always it, it trips me up. Uh, Loriano has been suspended six games, and Houston Astros hitting coach Alex Citrone. Uh, 20 games for their roles in Sunday's bench clearing incident between the, the, the teams. Um, Additionally, uh, Loriano and Cintrones received a undisclosed fine. Loriano's suspend, uh, suspension is under appeal. So, uh, who wants to take this? Did did Major League Baseball get this right, Chris? I'll start with you. Uh, I, I mean, I guess as as right as they can be. Um, it's kind of crazy that this guy charges someone else, uh, a coach, being that, and he gets six games while. Joe Kelly doesn't even hit somebody and gets Apparently eight. Apparently, Centrone was talking um, about his mom, so, Loriano. Yeah, but Centrone very happy that that Centrone got twenty games. Uh, he definitely should have had the hammer drop on him being a coach and just being completely out of line and just being an imbecile. So I'm, I'm glad that he got at least twenty games. We were calling for this. We were calling for at least fifteen to twenty games. So MLB, thank you for listening to us. Um, but it's kind of funny that the other guy. I mean, charges someone else's dugout and gets six games. 
but Joe Kelly gets eight. So, I mean, if you're comparing those two suspensions, it's not equal, but um, I'm really glad that he got not even half of what the, the coach got. I'm glad he got a much smaller suspension because what that coach was doing was completely uncalled for. And yeah, he did charge them, but he got tackled and nothing really happened. So it's not like they're out there throwing blows and, and the suspension would have gone up even further. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy the MLB came down on, on the Astros coach in, in this instance. It was completely justified. I will say Joe Kelly didn't uh, get hit three times in a series, so maybe that had something to do with the, the six-game suspension. Kevin, yeah. what, do you, what were your thoughts? It's true. Yeah, I think MLB, um, they they got this right. I, I don't really want it to see or, or, or uh, I didn't really favor seeing six games same six games suspensions Scott to your point um he got picked he was targeted three times out of two games like he was a target I mean you can't prove you can't prove me wrong on that and so when the guy gets targeted like that I mean he's gonna have high high emotions running over at first base and then you got the clown Citron Citron clown go ahead and run his mouth Mr. Clown but now he has 20 and I 20 games I can't applaud that enough. I think that's very fair. Um, I do think that they should appeal maybe uh, Ramon's suspension just a little bit. I think they should lessen it. Um, they did come out today, I believe, and reduced um, Kelly's suspension from the eight games. Good. So we should be seeing, yeah, we should be seeing him come um, uh, much sooner than uh, anticipated. So um, was this fair? Yeah, across the board, it's fair. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it feels like they got it right. I mean, the, the whole thing was to make an example in this COVID age to really discourage people bench clearing incidents and guys going at it in major league baseball and 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 especially when you have a hitting coach Centrone just stepping out stepping out of the dugout as well you know egging <laughs> egging Ramon on was just like man you got to make an example of that guy and I'm just really glad that major league baseball did the right thing absolutely absolutely yeah for sure i mean you know Centrone is probably uh really uh angry that his boy altuve can't hit so he maybe his he's feeling some jeopardy in his job because all of a sudden these guys don't know the pitches are coming they can't hit the ball so he's a hitting coach you're not doing your job well, he, man so he's, he's getting also too. probably really bored <laughs> he's really bored in the dugout because he doesn't have that little buzzer knob to be hitting now you know so he doesn't yeah. know what to do with himself so he just wants to talk trash yeah. about other players mamas <laughs> yeah yeah, Thanks the breaks, man. That's how it goes. Enjoy yeah, those, sure. Enjoy those 20 days there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to Fair or Foul. Fair or Foul is our hot takes on hot topics in sports. And we're going to start with the Toronto Blue Jays finally finding a new home at Salem Field in Buffalo. Chris, I'm going to start with you. Is this Fair or Foul? Yeah, this is fair. Welcome to America. We'll, we'll open up and uh, you know make a nice warm home for you. If you guys want to leave that uh, cold place way up there in North Canada. <laughs> For another cold place. <laughs> Come on down. This is fair. Another cold place in northern uh, uh, New York. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, is that, they got a is, home. is it fair foul? Yeah, this is fair. Blue Jays' uh, first pitch Tuesday night against the Miami Marlins in Buffalo. Uh, since 1915, guys, when Buffalo Blues played in the Federal Ooh, League. This throwing down the facts. I like that. Okay, moving on. Lakers' Kyle Kuzma says, after hitting game-winner shot, Jesus could be in front of me and I'll probably still shoot. Kevin Durant responds saying, I got Jesus getting a stop. Kevin, what do you think? Fair foul. I got uh, – this is so typical – 
Kuzman. Kuzman is, uh, I, I, he might have the slowest basketball IQ I've seen, <laughs> but great shot, hell of, hell of a shot. Um, I think he's just saying that because he was so impressed he made it over a seven foot two ball over there that was supposed to, that was coming off of a, a defense from AD. But uh, this is foul, guys. KD, way to get my back, way to get our back, way to get anybody who believes Jesus back. He would have stopped him. In yeah, the smallest dust. basketball IQ. I think it's just more than just basketball. What do you think, Chris? Fair foul. <laughs> Yeah, completely foul on Kuzma's part and totally fair on KD's part. Uh, Kuzma is what his number is. He's a zero. He had a good game, so he's feeling himself at the moment. You know, he's got his little, uh, you know, blonde hair and whatnot. But uh, yeah, KD, thank you for uh, putting some sense, uh, talk some sense into him. Yeah, Jesus getting the stop for sure. I love seeing the shot of LeBron throwing the towel at Kuzma after the game, and then I was thinking, man. He was he he wanted his ass traded. <laughs> anyway, so oh, continuing yeah. with the NBA, uh, NBA suspends uh, Bucks uh, Giannis equality uh, for one game for headbutting Wizards Mo Wagner. I call him quality because I can't re- pronounce his last name, and that's what he's got on his back of his jersey right now. So, uh, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Is this fair or foul? Yeah, equality. I like that. But this is fair, guys. He does need he does need a suspension. Um, you're not using your head out there. That's true. <laughs> uh, what about you, Chris? Fair or foul? Uh, I'm going foul. This guy just straight up headbutted another man. I know Mo Wagner can kind of get under your your skin, but only one game for for getting physical out there, headbutting somebody else. Uh, they're going a little soft on him. I think he deserved a couple Seems more. Seems to be an agenda to keep the uh, NBA MVP candidate uh, uh, clean, I guess. Yeah. All right, sticking with NBA yep. again. Trailblazers, Damian Lillard puts NBA on notice by dropping 61 points in a critical win over the Mavs. We'll stick with you, Chris. What do you think, Fairfowl? Oh, yeah, totally fair. You know the Lakers are feeling a little scared right now because they're looking like they're going to match up with Portland. If Lillard goes off like this, it could be a major one versus eight upset. Fair on Lillard's part. He is Damian balling. Lillard's fired up. Okay, Kevin, what do you think, fair foul? Yeah, this is fair. Damian Lillard kind of answering back to all those birdies that are tripping from the stands. It's a little peanut gallery over there. I do say that this is foul, though, because no one's really watching the NBA, but good job, Dan. Keeping it moving to old man boxing. Tyson loses his cool while filming promo for Roy Jones Jr. fight. We want to kill each other, he said. Is this fair foul, Kevin? This is foul, guys. <laughs> I don't I don't want to hear 54-year-old Mike Tyson talking about I just want to kill. I just we're savages out here. Like, come on, Mike Tyson. I know you're trying to sell the fight. But yeah, it's savages. All right, Chris. What do you think? Fair foul. <laughs> I'm going foul on the reporter's part. Um, asking these guys silly questions like he did. Of this is Mike Tyson. What do you expect he's gonna do? He's gonna blow up like this, even though he's 54. He's still got the mentality that he had when he was 18. He is a killer when he's in the ring. So don't ask him silly questions like that. Uh, foul on the reporter's part here. <laughs> Just want to make quick mention that that fight apparently has been now uh, postponed to late November. So apparently we have to wait till late November to watch uh, those savages kill each other. All right. Thank you for joining Sideline the Agenda, the podcast exposing woke sports culture both on and off the field of play. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on Twitter, Parlor, and Instagram. I'm Scott. That's Kevin. That's Chris. And this is Sideline the Agenda, podcasting done right. See you next time.